0: We don't have, at least I think in American culture, we don't have these very easy like rituals to go to for helping someone with um On this episode of the Multi Multiamory Podcast, we are talking about helping a partner cope with loss. Now, this loss could be the loss of a relationship, like a breakup. It could be the loss of a loved one, or it could be pretty much any other significant personal loss that your partner is struggling with. Um, this week, as you'll notice, we're dealing with the loss of Jace. Uh sorry to make that sound dramatic. Oh, no. Jace is alive. <laughs> I was just going to say that. And healthy and well. He has not left this podcast. Uh he's just taking a break this week. Thank goodness. So it's just the twos of us that you'll have to deal with.
1: Yeah, we gave him a week off, but um the two of us are actually in the same time zone for once on the other side of the planet yeah. from where we usually do this podcast. So us being on uh, more like China, East Asia time, mm-hmm. we decided that we'd give Jace a week off, um, which he's grateful for, I yeah, think. he's And so blissfully you get the sleeping, two of us this week. Blissfully
0: sleeping right now.
1: You're right. It's like three in the morning I there. I hope he's blissfully wow. sleeping anyway. A, I certainly hope so, yeah. yeah. Um. So we're going to talk about a few things in this episode. Um. The first one is going to be how often does loss tend to happen in relationships? Because obviously, if you're human, you go through loss, you go through multiple types of loss, um, not just in your relationships, but in your personal life. So we'll talk about how often that tends to happen. Um, Also, how do you help your partner or your partners deal with great personal loss?
0: Yeah, and in addition to that, we're going to be talking about specifically how do you help a partner deal with a breakup, specifically, if they've lost another relationship that's outside of, you know, your particular relationship. And also we're going to be exploring, is dealing with loss potentially more difficult or less difficult when you're in a non-traditional relationship of some kind?
1: Yeah. So we have a couple statistics, or as we like to call them, stits, it's, it's bleh, <laughs> I can't even say it. Stits and stats. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a that's a tongue yeah, twister yeah, right there. It. Even though we say it all the time on this you got show, stats and stats. Um, so I this was a difficult one to find, uh, but I was looking up like how many people on average does a person lose throughout their life, like I- in terms of like family members or friends, even like how many deaths do you see in your lifetime. Um and the only statistic I found was that there were around like forty deaths Jeez. that a person sees but- in their lifetime, which seems like a huge amount, but I guess, you know, that that also does go up. Right. Then, you know, the longer that you live, obviously. Right. Um they were talking about it in the way of funerals. Like how many that, funerals? Like, you, you might you go, go to. to like exactly like anywhere between forty and fifty funerals in your lifetime. Gosh. And I'm sure like once you reach a certain age, that number continues to skyrocket because you're getting older, like people around you are getting older, et cetera, et cetera. But that, you know, obviously if you're in a relationship, you're going to have to deal with that yourself and also deal with the loss of your loved ones, loved Mm, ones. mm -hmm. So we wanted to explore that a little bit today.
0: And I also tried to find statistics for like the number of, breakups that you'll go through in a lifetime and that's really difficult to find it's difficult even if you're going under the assumption of Mm. like trying to find you know how many breakups does the average monogamous person go through um yeah there's one study out there uh that suggests that women tend to have about an average of five relationships in a lifetime and that men have six so we can extrapolate from that that
1: that's it that's like the difference
0: i I get okay here's the thing though like there's a lot of i i'm hesitant to even talk about this study because of course we have to assume that the sample size is likely heteronormative monogamous uh we have no Mm -hmm. idea what they actually count as a quote-unquote relationship or not if that's an amount of time or if it's a feeling or what it is um this study was also commissioned by uh i think a very biased source um and also out there, like, there's a lot of people searching for, like, how many relationships do you go through before finding the one? Or there's a lot of, like, how many relationships you have oh, before course. you get married. And and it's, like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of good, hard data about over the course of a lifetime, including marriages or multiple marriages, how many breakups or how many relationships you're likely to have. Um, so... Suffice yeah. to say, it's just likely that you or someone you love is going to go through at least one breakup <laughs> in their lifetime. If Oh, for sure. Yeah, at least. yeah, If you're dating someone and if you're in a multi-partner relationship, it's those numbers, I think, increase. Um, I forget who was saying this. Uh, shoot. Um, Basically, oh yeah, it was Kim TallBear, actually. I was listening to her being interviewed mm. on a different podcast. She talked about, just kind of off the cuff, mentioned that... Often people who are non-monogamous or polyamorous uh, go through, at least anecdotally, seem to go through more breakups, which is kind of both a good and bad thing. Bad on the one hand, that it sucks to go through a breakup, but kind of good in that you kind of get more data, essentially, and like more information about who you are in relationships and like what kind of person does and doesn't work for you. That's a good point. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Of course, we don't have any hard data yet or research yet that specifically tracks like how often someone who identifies as polyamorous is to, you know, how many breakups they're likely to have. Um, Hopefully that'll change soon. But basically I guess the takeaway from the Stits and Stats is just that like you're going to be supporting someone through the death of a loved one you're going to be supporting someone mm-hmm. through a really bad breakup. Um, so that's why it's important to talk about or these like
1: through. Yeah, absolutely. And even through like big life changes or big difficulties in a person's life in general, yeah. like a loss of a job. Oh even. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Something else catastrophic happening in one's life. I do think about like, the way in which uh, my family and friends dealt with my breakups, like when I was in college, mm-hmm. and just like how long I would talk about Aww. it, and how like difficult it would be, uh, and eventually like my mother being like, "Okay, you're done now." Aww. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, which maybe wasn't always great, but but it's sometimes good advice to be like, "Okay, we're we're maybe done with yeah, that." But yeah, just how uh, it, it not only like you're going to probably support partners through this, but you're going to support friends through breakups and through various things as well.
0: Definitely. That's funny. That reminds me not too long ago. I had to like search through some old emails for something. I don't remember what. It was completely unrelated, but I came across this old email exchange between myself and my mom uh, talking about a breakup. Mm. I was going through like, seven years ago eight years ago it feels like ancient history now um and yeah it was so funny just to kind of see this snapshot of my younger self um you know and and just dealing with this upheaval and like the things that my mom said that stuck with me and the things that she said that I thought were like total bs or whatever um Mm -hmm. it was really interesting Mm -hmm. to see yeah yeah yeah. So,
1: yeah, that's fascinating.
0: Today we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about not only some strategies or some things to think about when you have to care for a partner who's going through something difficult like this, but we're also going to be talking about how to care for yourself in the midst of this as well. Um but first we're going to talk about caring for your partner. And I think we'll start out by yeah. by, you know, stressing the importance of the fact that if something's like really devastating has happened to your partner, whether it's the loss of a loved one of some kind or the loss of a job or the loss of a relationship, it's likely that um your partner is going to hop through the different stages of grief. And the thing is that like with the stages Beyond. of grief, like they don't happen in just one order. Like it's not a linear progression. Like it happens all over the place that you'll hop from, from depression and sadness to rage to denial to acceptance and then wake up the next morning and be back in sadness again. Um, and so just expecting that and knowing that, you know, in the wake of something devastating, like it's likely all those emotions are going to come up. It's not necessarily going to be predictable. Um, and you can go the extra mile by letting your partner know that it is allowed and it is okay for them to be all over the map because that's kind of an, uh, I think a recurring theme we'll come back to is that it's very easy when something really devastating is happening, happening to you. I think it's really easy to feel nervous about asking for help or self conscious of having whatever Mm -hmm. emotions, because just as a culture, at least in America, we're not great at talking about like grief and loss and stuff like that. Um, And so it really goes a long way to proactively express to a partner that it is uh, what they're going through is okay for them to feel, essentially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. I'm currently uh, working in Shanghai, China, and one of my coworkers is going through a divorce right now. And it is fascinating to see kind of that progression between the different mm. stages of grief. Because, you know, he's being very respectful, but at some points he'll, like, joke and be like, whore, whore, whore. And then, oh, like, at other points... <laughs> at other points he'll be like, but she was my best friend. Mm. And, like, this is the hardest part yeah. about, you know, the ending of this relationship. And, you know, talking about, like... you know, I've seen him cry about it and, like, talking about his kids and how difficult it is on them and, like, all of that. It, it is really fascinating. And to allow that, like... um, yeah, I don't know it we become like as a culture like rather voyeuristic in watching other people's pain sometimes mm. but I think it is like as a culture us wanting to help and to like be there for someone like it immediately like kicks this response on mm. um, I think in in all of us and like myself and my other coworkers when he's talking about it just being like listen you know it's gonna be okay and and really like talking about all the things that he's doing right and trying to be there for him and stuff. It it is fascinating how we go there. Um, The next one in terms of caring for your partner is allowing expressions of emotion. Because again, the way in which you grieve, for example, may be very different than the way in which someone else grieves. Mm -hmm. So maybe someone else grieves in a very angry manner. Maybe someone else grieves in a very like mournful manner and that might be uncomfortable for you in either scenario, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Mm. Um, and in really like allowing people their method of grief is incredibly important because no two people are going to grieve in the same way. Some people might be very reserved and not want to talk about it at all. Right. Or it's like, I'm a spewer, and so I'm like, oh my God this happened mm-hmm. i need to talk about it right mm-hmm. now and like you know it, it's, it's spilling out of me for example whereas other people that might not be the case oh, i mean so that's like allow- my card
0: is totally the opposite yeah. of like yeah i mean you know over here as the chewer but like i'm totally like i need to of i need to withdraw <laughs> like i need to constrict i need to yeah to like hide in the cave for a little while before i'm gonna be ready to to talk about it and to let it out um So, yeah, that is important just to recognize it's going to look very different depending on the person. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, moving on to the next one is, I, and I kind of want to build on what we were saying earlier about the way that in Western culture that we deal with other people's grief. And and I do think it's a little sad that we don't have a ton of ritual around Mm -hmm. grief. No, we Um, don't. Uh,
1: not like other cultures yeah
0: and I mean like you know we have like for instance like you know the ritual of funeral for instance which for some people is is very helpful and for others it's not so helpful um, but I think about things like in Jewish culture like when someone dies and your loved and you know your loved one dies and you sit Shiva and it's this kind of set process of like okay great like we know yeah. like here you go, here's seven days, you know, we're going to cover up the mirrors, this is not a time for you to have to worry about your appearance, we're going to bring you food, like, here's your set time, and you're not going to work, like, there's not a time for you to have to work or or deal with these things. Um, and we know, we have this established process that, mm-hmm. like, here's the container for you to have. Um, and not that that's necessarily a perfect container or anything like that, but in contrast, in the West, it is just kind of a, like, well now get up i'll and deal with yeah, it. i get well i still gotta go to work i guess i'll put in a request for like bereavement yeah. leave or or if it's not a death if it's some other kind of loss i'll just deal with it you know like maybe call on a sick day i suppose and and we don't really know what to say to people and so um i guess we don't have, at least I think in American culture, we don't have these very easy, like, rituals to go to for helping someone with, um, with their grief or with their pain. And it's okay to acknowledge that. Like, I think that, you know, for instance, you know, we always struggle when someone's loved one has died. We don't know what to say. It's kind of like, I guess you say, I'm sorry, but it's not like you're apologizing something or, or pitying them or, or whatever. Um, but ultimately, it's better to be honest that you don't know what to say like it's better to be honest and like say yeah. to a partner gosh wow i like i don't know what to say but i'm so sorry to hear that and i want to be here for you however you need um like it's better to just be honest about that feeling than to do what i think a lot of us do which is kind of resort to clichés about you know oh this person's in a better
1: they're in a better, yeah, place. In a better place
0: yeah or or it's for the best or um Stuff like that.
1: God's plan. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's definitely, of course, some holdovers from, like, Judeo-Christianity, you know, that makes a lot of assumptions about what we think is going to be comforting for someone to hear or not. Um, but, but yeah, just that, that, like, it is okay to also be honest if, like, you're shocked, too, or you're surprised, too, or you also don't know what what to say or how to comfort this person. Like, it's probably going to be more connective. Uh, to be honest about that, then to try to find like the perfect words that are going to make it all feel okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of an impossible thing to give someone like the perfect words. It's, I don't know, just being there for them mm-hmm. is, I think can be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a in kind of the opposite of that is potentially like you may also be feeling challenging emotions but don't necessarily project your grieving process on them Mm. so for example like if they seem happier a couple days later you know don't be like well i thought you know this terrible thing happened why are you all of a sudden doing okay Mm. like don't criticize their grieving process for being too short or too long or for them crying too much or crying not enough like don't project what you might feel is appropriate onto them mm. because honestly again like we said earlier their expression of emotion their way in which they're going to gr- to grieve is going to be different than yours so and also i mean just yeah that's it's diff- it's just challenging to like know how you're going to feel it, it, I've I've had friends die, and just you know, one minute you're like, I I couldn't think of anything else but mm. this awful thing that happened, but life does go on, yeah. and we are so incredibly resilient as you know humans, and we you know the world keeps moving forward, it keeps spinning forward, and we really can just keep going, and so it's understandable that it to some degree like you're going to need to like keep moving yeah. and keep getting back into your regular life. Right. And so don't, you know, fault someone for, for trying to do that yeah. in a way.
0: I, th- I think um, I've definitely like yeah. come in on the opposite side. Like I've, you know, I mean, I've definitely done mm-hmm. this in the past of like projecting my own grieving process onto a partner, or onto someone else. Um, because sure. in like, in my family of origin, the grieving process was just kind of culturally understood to be very short. That it's like, okay, like you had a day or two, like, and now it's time, you know, you've had your day or two to cry and now it's, it's time to get back to work and and get back to being productive. Um, And like that works for some people. um, But I definitely have found that it comes up like when I'm helping a partner coping with something that like that comes up in me that if I start noticing thoughts about or frustration about like, gosh, they're still upset about this. Like, gosh, when are they going to go over this? That I really have to check myself to be like, I think I'm just kind of applying what I was taught growing up onto this person. And I have honestly no idea how they were taught to grieve growing up. So, yeah, it's definitely a really yeah. important thing to check, I yeah, think. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And that could change over time, too. Like, they could, if, if one year, you know, with one death, feel a certain way and their grieving process take much longer or uh, be much shorter year to year. I mean, people change throughout their lives, right. so that's completely understandable. Um, and also, I mean, we love to say this and talk about this, but really use the Triforce whenever you can. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important and we love it. So Triforce 1, 2, and 3 Uh, because sometimes just listening is what the person needs. They just need to like talk about what they're going through, or they just need support in that moment. They just need your love and your understanding, or maybe they need problem solving, but that can change. Um, you know, and so ask, be be a good communicator and be understanding of their needs in that moment and know that like maybe what you think they need is not what they actually need so right be a good communicator right
0: right definitely um and if you have no idea what we were just talking about just then um go to episode 159 to (laughs) learn all about the triforce and get back up to speed absolutely
1: we use it all the time every, every single darn day <laughs> constantly
0: every single darn day
1: yeah and then the uh and our patreon group as well yeah. which we'll talk about a but little bit later but kind yeah of the
0: other side of that also is um you know like really learning to listen when your partner is asking for what they need um mm-hmm. because that's again like that is a very vulnerable process because again in western culture i think we've we've i don't know I don't know, the way we respond to grief, like, just, like, really varies and sometimes isn't very healthy, and so, again, just, like, learning to listen, like, if your partner, you know, is asking for, I just need to be held right now, or I just need to not talk about it right now, or I need you to make me dinner right now because I I can't get off the couch, or whatever it is. Yeah. that it's a two-way street, you know, it isn't just, like, being proactive and asking if someone needs listening or support or problem-solving or whatever, but it is also learning to actually listen and accept that response as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, So, we're gonna change the focus a tiny bit, you know, we've been talking a lot about loss in particular, and of course, like, the very heavy loss of, like, of a loved one dying or something like that. Um, We haven't spent a ton of time talking about... Breakups specifically, which can also be extremely devastating and painful. Um, I think I apologize in advance. I I'm purely just remembering this off the top of my mind, but I did read a study once um, that I forget what their methodology was, but it essentially found that it's like the pain of a breakup can actually be commensurate with and equal to like the pain of spilling hot coffee on yourself as far as what your body goes through oh. and how your nervous system reacts to it. Eek. Yeah, right. And so it's like, yeah, the sense
1: I guess I can the get sensation
0: that. is different, but the way that like your nervous system and your emotions react can be actually quite a similar level. Um and I think it totally wow. makes sense.
1: I just remember a breakup like where I basically stayed up all night calling people and being like, this happened oh. to me. Uh. And and then I was really just tired the next morning, (laughs) so that's what I remember my body going through. But yes, I mean obviously it's horrible and very challenging for your nervous system. I don't know.
0: I've definitely I've been through some breakups where and i've i read about this study several years ago and so it's always stuck in my brain but i've definitely been through some breakups where like in the worst moments of it i've been like i would rather spill hot coffee on myself right now than be feeling Mm. this way you know i'd rather deal with that like really intense short pain for a little while than this like really intense extended pain um yeah for a long while But anyway, so just so y'all know, like, we did specifically cover supporting a partner through a breakup a few episodes ago. If you go to episode 128, you can get more specific tailored advice about that particular situation. We are going to reiterate a little bit of that here. Um, But again, if you want to focus on that specifically.
1: It was like half a year.
0: Was it half a year ago? Good heavens.
1: Well, you said 128 and we're like in the 190s now. So yeah, at least. Okay. you're like a couple you're 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 like jace now you're like you know it was a it was a week ago i don't know you're
0: like it was five years ago (laughs) jace (laughs) yeah
1: exactly
0: anyway you can oh i don't know you can go to episode 128 but if your partner is going through a breakup with another partner of theirs this can be really really difficult but it's so important to you know, mind all the things that we've said above about letting your partner hop through the different stages of grief, expressing their emotions, you know, not projecting your grieving process onto them using the Triforce, all those same things. But it's also really important to let your partner find their own path through that breakup. Um Because I, I think that what I've seen happen and what I've definitely done in the past is like a partner comes home yeah. and is like, oh, I think... So, like, so-and-so and I are breaking up. And then I'm like, oh, great. This is my opportunity to finally talk about what I've really thought about this relationship or what I've really thought about, like, oh, the unhealthy man. things this person has done. Wow. Um, which, first of all, isn't...
1: Haven't we all well, been we've... there? Well, good, because I hated that bitch.
0: <laughs> I, d- yeah. I don't think I've ever said that, but I've definitely felt that. Um,
1: no, I know. Yeah.
0: Man, yeah. So, I mean, first Deep. of all, not helpful. But then the second problem is, like, no. if you get too into the weeds with that or if you get too into the mode of like trying to like guide or coach or advise your partner through the breakup like telling them what to do or telling them oh you should not talk to them or you should tell them this or you should you know have this kind of talk with them or you should never talk to them again or whatever um it sets both of you up for the potential of like disappointment and frustration, you know, frustration potentially from your partner, yeah. if they didn't want this advice in the first place, if they're hurting, if they're not sure what to do um, and disappointment, if you feel like you've given all this great advice to your partner on what to do and then they don't do it. Um, that is just another opportunity for there to be more tension in an already tense time. Um, I've seen this lead to yeah. a partner sometimes being cagey about when they've reconnected with an Mm. ex because if they're like if one of their partners has been like really vocal about you know any number of things it could be like oh good like i never liked that person or oh good like i really didn't think that relationship was good for you um you know or oh good like i really don't think didn't think you should have ever been that person that then like As happens with breakups, like sometimes there's kind of this back and forth process or sometimes people just take breaks and then that actually ends up being a good reset that like I have seen it results in that particular partner again, like maybe omitting it or kind of being afraid to talk to their other partner about the fact that they've reconnected with their ex. And so basically just, um, you know, care for your partner, but make sure that you're also giving them space to kind of navigate their own way through the disillusion potentially of this relationship. Um, and of course, everything I just said, yeah. you can completely ignore if your partner's in like a truly abusive relationship, because that is a whole other level and it's a whole other, you know, set of, uh, you know, ways to talk to your partner about it or things like that. Um, but abusive relationships aside, just make sure that you're giving space for your partner to still being, you know, be able to do their own discovery and process uh, with this breakup.
1: Yeah
2: 18
1: plus website for details.
2: For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also
0: That's Multi, M-U-L-T-I, at AdamandEve.com, AdamMail.com, or Eve'sToys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. We've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, some practical things that you can do to take care of a partner who's going through something like this, but it is also so, so important to take care of yourself as well. Um, Because I think that we all know anyone who's supported someone through this, whether it's a family member or a friend or a partner, it can get so draining so quickly. It can really take so much out of you being there for someone all the time. Um, And there's definitely a couple specific things to bear in mind and to avoid when you're also trying to care for yourself in the midst of this. And these first two tips, they kind of go together. And so the first one is, it's really important to be mindful of not kind of taking your partner's emotions and then throwing them back at them. And what I mean by that is Mm. I've definitely experienced and I've seen people experience kind of this vicious cycle that can happen where one person is dealing with a loss or something catastrophic and they need a lot from their partner and they rely a lot on their partner and they vent a lot to their partner and then their partner starts to get burnt out and starts to get depleted and then they kind of give it back to the original partner of like oh my god like I'm so depleted and I need support because supporting you is like draining me and so now I need you to come back but then like that doesn't make the first person feel comfortable or supported or whatever and then it's just it all kind of falls apart from there that like there's been this like feedback loop that's happened Um, and so that's why it's really important in times like these to find a support network that is outside of the partner who is going through the rough time. That could be other partners of yours. If you happen to have other partners, it could be reaching out to your friends, to your family members. It could be a support group. There are actually a surprising number of support groups out there for people who are supporting other people, (laughs) essentially like people who are Mm -hmm. caregivers, especially, or people who are having to care for someone who's like sick or disabled or injured or aging or things like that. Um, there's actually a fair number of support groups for the people who are connected to the person who's going through the tragedy or the loss. Um, So those are definitely available to you and out there, but it's just really important to check that, um, to just know that like, basically during this time while your partner's dealing with the loss or the breakup or whatever, unfortunately, they're not going to be able to be the partner they were to you in the same way. Be very there for you. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be forever. It doesn't mean that, like, you've lost your support or you've lost the things that this partner, this relationship does for you. But it just means that for the time being, like, that may not be there. And that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But it does mean it is important to have some kind of support network, some kind of outlet outside of that particular partner so that you can also go and get care as well.
1: Yeah. And on that note, uh, if you're going through... Dealing with your partner's breakup or your partner's uh, loss of a loved one or something, then definitely don't forget self care for yourself as well. Because, again, as Dedeker said, uh, caring for a loved one can be very draining and very challenging. Um, So, don't forget to go out to a yoga class Mm. or take a bubble bath, like play some video games, read a book, like go to a nice meal, like something along those lines, just to save yourself a little bit of you know, energy and time and, and just like put some rejuvenation back into the challenging, draining things that might be happening at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is, it's like you said, it's so, so difficult at times to just constantly be on and be there for your partner. And uh, sometimes you just need a little bit of like reprieve yourself. And so, yeah, go out and do something nice for yourself in addition to being there for Mm -hmm. your partner, because, you you can't be on for them if you are 100% depleted mm-hmm. and you need to, like, you know, <laughs> re-up your own uh, constitution as well yeah. during this time. Yeah, so well, that's super important. That's the other
0: thing is self-care, like, it doesn't have to look, I think, the way that we're always traditionally taught to see self-care, which is the, you know, the spa day or or the nice meal or whatever. It can be those things and, like, definitely <laughs> do those things yeah. if you can. Um, But sometimes self-care can just be knowing when to say no to certain things. Whether yeah, that's That's true. Knowing like
1: And that's, you know, hard. that's hard. Very hard.
0: And that me. can be knowing like, okay, my partner's taking up a lot of my resources right now and so I'm gonna proactively like say no to some other things, like things my friends are asking or whatever, in order to mm. care for my partner. Or it can also mean saying no to your partner sometimes. You know, it can be honest with your partner about yeah. like, I just need to refuel, I need to recharge so that I can actually be there for you more completely um so i think that's an important part of self-care as well absolutely yeah
1: yeah and along those lines just recognize that your partner is probably going to be obviously depleted themselves so while you may be wanting support for all the difficult times that you may be going through too like in those moments um your partner may not be able to give it to you And so just understand like, hey, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt in this moment because honestly, like they're giving all that they can give and they're trying to like lift themselves up in some way and they may not be able to, in addition, lift me up and that's okay. It's not going to stay that way forever. Um, And, you know, just, just understand that and give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that that's really difficult in a moment like we want our partner to be the bigger person mm-hmm. in a situation, but if you can understand that, like you it, they may just not have the capacity to do that right. um in a variety of situations, like even in easier things, like they're maybe just having a really difficult time at work., uh, and you need their help in something, but they just simply cannot give it. I just recognize and understand like, Hey, my partner's going through a hard time. And so what I need may not be fulfilled in this moment, but that's okay. Mm. Obviously, if it's like a continuing pattern, that's something else to look at. But if it's something that happens once in a while, or especially during a challenging time, then be understanding because shit happens, you know, right. <laughs> it really does. So right. yeah, that's something to be aware of for sure. Right,
0: definitely. Definitely. So, we're going to move on to our last segment here, which is addressing and recognizing particular challenges for non-traditional relationships, such as non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships, when dealing with something like a death or a breakup when you have multiple partners. Um, Because it definitely provides, like, some really interesting, unique situations that we don't really have social scripts for. I mean, as always, in a lot of non-traditional relationships, you're kind of figuring that out as you go along. Um, But we wanted to talk about a couple of those scenarios. Um, The first one being that, depending on your level of outness, you know, you may be totally closeted about the kind of relationships you keep you may have one relationship that is kind of the more quote unquote public relationship or the relationship that people know about. And then you may have a more closeted relationship, you know, if you're not able to be out at work or with friends or family, and that can definitely lead to complication when there is a death or a breakup. Um, You know, because especially like if you're already like not able to, publicly declare this relationship in some way or even if you did publicly declare it and it's not necessarily recognized which happens to a lot of people it can be really hard in not having your grief be taken seriously i think um it can be hard in you know if your normal support network your friends or your family don't know that you have multiple partners and then you go through a breakup that it can be really difficult to not have that support network or to not feel like you can honestly speak with that support network about what's going on with you. Um, So
1: yeah. to get any understanding. Right.
0: Right. And I mean, I think that's why, you know, why I think online communities and offline communities have been so important for people who are in any kind of like, you know, uh, alt sexuality, um, group essentially that like providing a space where Mm -hmm. people can talk about these things for sure um to take it even you know up a notch on top of that you know like as we know the majority of non-traditional relationships uh have the usual lack of protections or legal rights you know lack of access to bereavement leave for instance um actually there isn't really any uh any right to bereavement leave for someone who is a boyfriend or a girlfriend, actually, like there's specific Mm -hmm. policies for uh, in most workplaces for like, if it's a child or a spouse or a family member or things like that, but it doesn't, like there isn't really a lot of language around non-married relationships as it is, which is an issue in and of itself. Um, But then of course, on top of it, there's the situation where if you're not out at work and you have a partner who dies or you're going through a breakup or whatever, that it can be really hard to ask for some kind of leave when you don't necessarily want to out yourself in that way. Um, So that's definitely something like a lot of people go through. Like you're definitely, if you're going through that, like you're definitely not alone, Um, but it's definitely not an easy situation for sure.
1: Yeah. And along those lines, I mean, if you're in something like a don't ask, don't tell situation, or just again, if your family or your friends or your parents, I don't know that you are in a multi-partner relationship and then you go through a breakup or again, yeah, if you have a death or something, then, I mean, it's it's awful. It can be really, really challenging. I can't even imagine, like, just how difficult that would be. And I know that people go through it all the time. They've talked about it in our Patreon yeah. group. And um, we've gotten emails and stuff about it and just how difficult it can be for people to to have to truly mourn like to a degree on their own without like these, these continual support systems in their lives, like being there for them. Um,
0: Yeah. And um, if I could just share my personal experience with this, like as, as you mentioned, like, yeah, we've seen like seen a lot of people post in our Patreon community about that. Like when it's like I, this relationship just exploded and I can't, talk about it to anyone and so like this is talk yeah this it. is the only place yeah. that i can go to talk about it um but yeah like once upon a time back in the day i was in like a, a functionally don't ask don't tell relationship mm-hmm. and like that was definitely a huge mistake oh, but, geez. <laughs> but oh,
1: yeah. i
0: had that experience of like i broke up with someone and then like the next day went over to like my other partner's house you know the partner that i had this well it was a don't ask, don't tell on both sides it was a double whammy it was like all all kinds of mistakes were made i'll mm-hmm. just say that um but you know went over to my partner's mm-hmm. house and i was just like distraught and so sad and like so in shock but had to just like i don't even remember what i did don't i think deal. i just kind of like you know just kind of told him that i was in a bad mood and i just wanted to like you know sit and watch movies and not talk um because that was my only way of dealing with it like i couldn't cry (laughs) i couldn't talk to him about it you know um and like a lot of people go through it it's you know definitely one of the reasons we encourage people to not do the don't ask don't tell thing just to be able to have more emotional (laughs) honesty because it was excruciating being in that situation
1: yeah, even for, like, these really extenuating circumstances, like, to just understand that having a person on your side, if it's another partner, like, how freaking important that is. It really, really is lovely to have just some understanding. So, mm. yeah, gosh, that that's really tough. I mean it happens all the time. And I'm sorry that you had to go through it at some point as well. Well,
0: I mean, Um, all those mistakes I made as far as setting up a bunch of don't ask, don't tell relationships. I'm definitely not doing that one again. So
1: yeah, no, I get that. And it's interesting because on, on one end, like if you are the partner that is watching your other partner's sadness over the loss of relationship of a relationship, like it can bring up this sort of reverse jealousy, like, well, like they're having such a hard time over mm-hmm. this person and like that's difficult for me to deal with. Like I'm having jealousy over their hard time. Mm-hmm. And that's something to be aware of because it, it can absolutely happen. Like, yeah, I mean, gosh, I've had I've had jealousy over stuff like that. Like seeing a partner be really broken up about the loss of a relationship and just being like, Well, geez, like what am I chopped right. liver right. kind of thing, you right, know? Right. Even though they're just having a normal reaction to something like a bereavement process, Mm -hmm. and it still can be challenging like on the other partner's end to deal with. So that is something to be aware of, just like that may happen in these situations. So be understanding of that possibility and of yourself in those moments and like, hey, this is what's happening. Maybe I'm being a little ridiculous, but you know i i understand for myself like this is what's occurring
0: yeah i remember helping a partner through a breakup and um yeah. he was doing what uh I like so cunning minks and lusty guy gave a talk at Relay Con in Boise this last year about the art of the breakup and it was a great mm, talk. Yeah, um, I've definitely I remember yeah. it was
1: great. Yeah, and they
0: refer to they refer to like the drunk talk period, and they don't mean like actually like getting drunk, but as in the period <laughs> when someone's gone through a breakup and like they need to talk about everything. And it is all yeah. those different stages of, like, whether it's them babbling about, like, oh, she was, like, so wonderful and so beautiful and she was my best friend. Or whether it is the, oh, she was so terrible. Like, I can't believe she did this. Can you believe this is what she did? Like, this let me tell you all the terrible things she did. um Or, oh, I'm yeah. never going to find love again. Like, they call it drunk talk because it's, like, you know, it comes from... You're drunk with yes, emotion. Yes, you're drunk with emotion. Like, it may not be stuff to take... Like there's definitely going to be some truth to it but it's maybe not something to take super super seriously. But anyway, yeah, I had this experience yeah. where I was like a partner of mine went through this really devastating breakup and he was definitely in the drunk talk phase of like, oh, she was so wonderful and and you know, he was just like collecting like sappy internet memes about the one that got away and um and it definitely Jeez. like brought up for me that like I guess reverse jealousy is the best way of talking about it where it's like, technically yeah. you're not in a relationship with this person anymore, but like, but geez, you know, like you're really, I like, you know, you have a lot of feelings, yeah, I got a lot of feelings really <laughs> idealizing this person. And, um, and I think we're also yeah. not used to a partner waxing poetic about like how incredibly wonderful another partner is. Um, I mean, some people are like, are cool with that or some people yeah, are really not true. cool with that. It kind of depends on your relationship. Um, but I kind of wish back then mm-hmm. that I had more of awareness of, like, the drunk talk thing and, like, holding space for my partner to do that. Of knowing, like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. This doesn't mean anything about me. Like, you know, I can hold space and hold compassion for my partner just, like, letting all this kind of well up and babble out and, and get out of his mouth, essentially. And just, it's it's drunk talk and that's it.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's a good thing to be aware of and understand. Yeah.
0: So, I I think that, ultimately, I want to encourage people that, you know, it is so important, like, if you're having a hard time supporting a partner who's going through a breakup, um, or if you yourself are going through a breakup and you don't feel, like, comfortable or out enough to talk to people about it, um, I still really encourage people, like, there are outlets for you to reach out to. Um, and they all kind of depend on your level of comfort. Your level of safety. Again the level that of, at which you are out. Um, you know it could be something like we've mentioned earlier. Like posting in our private patron community. Because it's a private group and no one can see. And so you know if you don't feel like you can make like a really sad Facebook post publicly. You can make one in the patron group. And get people who will yeah. sympathize with you and empathize with you. And be willing to listen and send you funny memes and cute animal pictures um to help you feel Aww. better it can be other online communities that are you know just more friendly to any kind of non mainstream sexuality or non normative sexuality um talking about it at you know at a person uh, at a meetup <laughs> talking about it at a person talk about it to a person mm-hmm at a meetup talk at a person <laughs> you, um <laughs> you know there's a lot of like discussion groups and processing groups for things like these um and even if all else fails i would even encourage you even to reach out to a quote-unquote normal support network or resource or online community um for handling loss of some kind you know because even, mm-hmm. even if you have to stay closeted and even have to, if you have to come up with this idea of like, oh, it was, you know, a friend of mine that I lost, even if it was actually a partner or, oh, like, is a friendship that had to end for some reason, even if it was a relationship, um, there are still people that you can reach out to and share your feelings to. I think you'll be surprised that, like, people will probably ask fewer questions to grill you on the details than you think, um, you know, so, mm-hmm. so, because especially if the most important part is like centering your feelings and getting to talk it out, um I don't think there's gonna be a lot of people in a supportive environment that are gonna be like, "Why are you so hung up on this friend?" <laughs> um what was this friendship really like? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess anything's possible, but that's,
1: yeah,
0: I just think it's it's um, you know, rather than just feeling like you just kind of need to suffer through it alone. It's better to have to, like, make up a little bit of a cover story if it allows you that outlet to at least talk about some of your feelings, even if you can't talk about the entire situation. It's a really good point. Yeah, even that's still gonna be helpful to you than than just not. So, that's just something to bear in mind that I hope you take with you.
1: Absolutely. And again, like we said before in this episode, if you want a little bit more information on on past episodes, uh, 128, which was supporting your partner through a breakup, is a really good episode to go through. And then also 159, which is our Triforce episode, Triforce expansion pack. Both of those are great ones to revisit if you want to get more on communication and how to do it better, how to support people through breakups and um, challenging moments in their lives. So thank you for listening to this episode on bereavement and loss and how to help your uh, partners through their own personal loss. Um, So we would love to hear from you about how you have helped your partners in the past or, or how a partner has helped you with loss in the past. Um, for Dedeker and and me. I know we've, we've personally been through some loss recently, and so that's why we really wanted to do this episode. It's been important to us, and we wanted to talk about ways in which you can help your partners and people through that. So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook or discourse forums. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com Multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info@MultiAmory.com. leave us a voicemail at 678-MULTI05, or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. And our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on Multiamory.com.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family